Jesus, your cross, our freedom. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your sacrifice. And thank you now for your continued longing for us. Demonstrated by your fasting for us. As we begin Lent, help us to keep that in mind. That when we fast, we're joining with you. We're displaying our union with you, Christ. Be honored in this place this morning. Be lifted high in our hearts and on the praises of your people because you are worthy. Through your Holy Spirit, enable us to be satisfied in you, to cast our affections on you, to enjoy you, to delight in you, Jesus. You are most to be enjoyed. Help us to do that. So many other things have our attention, have our desires, our longings, our satisfaction. But only in you can there be pleasures forevermore. Jesus, it's only found in you. We're thankful for your sacrifice. And we're thankful for your continued faithfulness. Holy Spirit, Continue your work in our hearts this morning. Now as we turn to your word. Work in Pastor Rick as he preaches boldly, as he proclaims your truth. Convict us of sin and enable us to obey what your word says. In your word is life, pointing to Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. And it's in your name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. And amen. You could be seated as we continue in worship.
our calendars shout to us what's important. Now think about that just for a little bit. If, If someone were to ask you, what is the most important thing in your life? Well, you could think through this and you could give a really good answer, a really positive answer, a a really answer that sounds really good for the most part. But if a person wants to know what's important to you, they would look at your calendar. That's all. Now, Paul, we're studying Paul, and and we're looking at the book of 2 Timothy, and if you would, you can turn your flat screens or your Bibles to that letter. It's in the New Testament. It's near the end of the whole Bible. But Paul is in prison, and he's writing a letter to a pastor friend, Timothy. Now, Paul has a lot less runway ahead of him than behind him. He knows what's important in life and what's critical to pass on. He knew this at about age 30 when he heard the gospel message and it absolutely changed his life. He is helping Timothy not only understand the race, not only understand life, not only understand ministry, but the importance of passing on the gospel baton. Now, passing seems so simple, and it is, but it's also so easy to drop. So during his final days, Paul writes this passionate, short letter to Pastor Timothy. The Apostle Paul is known for encouraging others. So it's not surprising when he begins this letter by encouraging Timothy to develop and use his gift fearlessly and earnestly. But the Apostle also knows that ministry is challenging. It includes suffering. And not everyone who starts this race finishes Well, Paul is hoping that Timothy is a finisher. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your word. Lord, we have had some time today for us to recalibrate. In all of our busy schedules, in our life, we're able to come and we're gathered to sing praises, to refocus, to remind ourselves of your amazing love and the good news that you came and shed your blood to pay our debt, to satisfy God's wrath. God, we don't deserve that. And yet, you sent Jesus to be our sacrifice. We're amazed. For some of us, Father, this message was told to us when we are so small. And we've heard this gospel over and over, and maybe it's just so familiar we forgot how much it cost you. And we just assume that life, living with the Spirit in us, is just normal. 
But God, it's not. And, and we are so very, very grateful. Lord, for the things in our life that have become so familiar, we pray that you open our eyes, even today. We ask you, Father, that, that you would be patient with us. Because sometimes our calendars do fill up with trivial or even important things, just not maybe the most important. We pray, Father, for other churches in the area. We're so grateful to be partnering with them and for churches all over the world that are meeting and that are proclaiming your good news. We pray for Emmanuel, and we pray for Northbridge, and we pray for the chapel this morning right in our neighborhood, Lord. We pray for all those teachers and those kids who are downstairs listening to stories and singing right now. We pray, Father, that, that you would use your gospel in a way that they would be transformed also. Lord, for all the various ministries that happen, for all the contacts that are going to happen this week. We pray, dear God, again, that you would give strength and wisdom and perspective and that your kingdom would advance with great power. Now, Lord, as we open up just a couple verses, we pray that we would hear your heart. Thank you for the examples of Paul and Timothy. We're learning so much, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to warn you right away that normally if you've been part of our, our fellowship, uh, there would be quite a few slides that would accompany a message or a sermon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, our tech people are not going to be falling asleep. We have one slide that is going to be up there almost the whole time. And it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You can read along with me on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But this is what Paul writes. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Paul starts off by calling Timothy his dear son. Now he wasn't technically his son, but he felt like a beloved son. He felt like Timothy was family. After all, they had done ministry for the last 15 years together. Paul felt a bond, and he knew that Timothy also felt that bond. We read at the end of chapter 1 that Phygelus and Hermogenes, along with everyone from Asia, have deserted Paul in the ministry. We went over this last week. But can you imagine sitting in a dungeon? Could there be a more depressing scenario? 
You've poured yourself into these people. You've worked with these people. And he hears name after name after name that are gone. They're not around anymore. The enemy had to be working on Paul, but you would never know it in this letter. I'm sure he's wondering, why? Why didn't they stay the course? Why aren't they still serving? Why aren't they in love with this gospel message that I am so in love with that has changed my life completely? Chapter 2 follows. Timothy, my dear son. In some ways, he's already reminded Timothy to fan into his flame the gifts that God gave him. Basically, use your gifts. He's also reminded Timothy that you're going to be suffering. If you're going to follow me, there's going to be long hours. There's going to be times you can't focus on yourself. You're going to focus on others. So expect hard times. He's already encouraged him to hold on to the pattern of good teaching that Paul himself modeled. He basically was telling Timothy in that first chapter, teach the way I taught and teach what I taught. It's all important. But here is the danger. And I don't know if there really was a danger or if it's just going through Paul's mind as he's sitting here in this dungeon and he's hearing the reports of all these people who have left. But the danger is this. Timothy, you can fall away like all of these other guys. You can desert. So resist the trend. Let me help you stay the course and finish well. That's what these two verses are doing. Uh, The key to finishing well is found in these two verses, and actually two steps. So let's look at this. Let's hear what Paul is going to tell Timothy. And he just put it in a few words. He says, be strong and pass it on. Be strong and pass it on. Step one is be strong. Now you're going to ask the question, in in what? What am I to be strong in? Am I supposed to be strong in leadership and in church planting and in shepherding? This is what you want me to focus on, Paul. And actually, no. It goes against all the corporate world's kind of training. He basically says, be strong, don't waver in your understanding of God's grace that has come to you by means of Jesus Christ. The gospel is simple, but we need to grow in our understanding of it. Basically, when you even talk to a four-year-old or a five-year-old, you're talking about some basic things so they can understand the need they have for a Savior. You, you talk the same way realistically to a 29 and 20 uh, or, or a 30-year-old and, and even older folks. But basically we say we're drowning. 
We need a rescuer. We need a savior. And Jesus is the perfect sacrifice to save sinners like me and you. Jesus is perfect to be my savior. It's my faith in Christ's work on the cross that saves me from the penalty of sin and the power of sin and the presence of sin. But growing in our understanding of justification and sanctification and glorification, that takes a lifetime, sometimes just to learn the words. But Paul says this, be strong. And this is a continual command that is made only possible by God's power for us to be able to understand God's grace. Getting a clear picture of God helps us understand his grace. Now, some of you, as we begin talking this way, you're going to wonder, Rick, this is stuff I've heard a long time ago. That's probably true. But you know what's so amazing is that the Apostle Paul, after all of his trips and after all the churches he's planted and after all the people he's discipled, this is what he's trying to help Timothy understand. This is the most important thing. God does love everyone and wants a relationship. But, but we are sinners, and sin separates us from God. God is just, which is hard for us even to understand and cannot have a relationship with us because we are sinful. In fact, the Bible describes every one of us, apart from God, that we're enemies of God. We're sinful, and we're repulsive to God. But here's where God's grace comes in. A verse again that is so familiar and a verse that so many of you know by heart. For God loves the world so much that he gave or sent his son to die on the cross to be our savior so that anyone who believes in him can have life abundant and eternal. This is good news. This changes the landscape for everybody. They once were apart from God. Now they can be reconciled to God. They once had a life that was focused on themselves selfishly, trying to eke out some enjoyment. Enjoying life at different places, but all for short term. God says, I can give you a purpose. God says, you're going to be with me forever. I will walk with you. You'll have a friend like nobody else. This is all good news. This is great news. So what Paul is saying, be strong in your understanding of God's grace, which is available to you through Christ Jesus. It is only by his grace that you're saved from the penalty of hell, the penalty of our sin. We do not have to be separated from God and spend eternity forever, the next million years, in a place of torment. It is only by his grace that we don't have to serve sin. Sin is no longer our master. And it's only by God's grace that someday, forever, 
we will be free from the presence of sin for the very first time, not understanding all that it has and how it has corrupted us. It's all by God's grace. I would encourage you, if you're at all confused on this, in Romans 6, in Romans 7, in Romans 8, just spend time reading those three chapters. You will be so excited. You're wondering even what to do for Lent or how to do Lent. Maybe you begin meditating on how great the gospel of grace is. You see, the scripture tells us that it's only by his grace that we can become part of his family. In John chapter 1, verse 12. What a blessing. I can be called a son of God because I'm really a special dude? No! Because of God's grace. His grace. It's only by God's grace that he is our shepherd and that he walks with us and that he cares for us. Psalm 23, what an amazing psalm. To remind us over and over and over again what it means to be one of God's sheep. Guiding us, giving us what we need, walking with us during dark valleys and promising us unbelievable future. Why? Again, because you deserve it and I deserve it? No. Paul heard all this. Paul knew his life was so different. He wanted Timothy to understand this. It is by God's grace that he gives you and me everything we need to live abundantly right now to have a fruitful life in 2 Peter chapter 1. I love when Peter writes this. Starting in verse 3. It's by his divine power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us a great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you, those who are part of God's family, to share in his divine nature. Do you get this? And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. That's all by God's grace. It's all by God's grace. It is by God's grace that we can live above circumstances and challenges. That we don't have to be affected by good days or bad days. Whether you have a job or don't have a job. Whether you have cancer or don't have cancer. Of course, those are things that cause us to reflect and hopefully are drawn to God. But in Romans 8, 28... Uh, Paul writes, for we know that everything will work out for our good. That God is in control. Isn't it amazing in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Paul himself, super Christian, super church planter, super dude. And says, hey God, I got a thorn in the flesh. No, No one even knows what it is. But you know what, God, if you could take away that thorn, I just know I'm going to be a better, 
whatever. And the scripture says he asked God three times. Now, take away the thorn, God. Take away the thorn. And God answered him, no. <laughs> and how does Paul respond? Oh, nuts, man. I'm quitting this whole thing. Like, I'm not going to plant one more church. I'm not writing one more letter. I told you, God, take it away. He goes, no, your grace, God, is sufficient for me. So I'm going to live with the thorn. I don't like the thorn, but I'm going to live with the thorn. And you're going to be glorified, God. It's by your grace. It's by God's grace that he has appointed each one of you as his ambassador. This honestly should blow your mind. It blows mine. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the apostle Paul writes this, for we are Christ's ambassadors, that God is making his appeal through us. Let me put this in perspective. Now, most of you don't have a really good idea of what an ambassador is anymore simply because of the internet and social media. But if you go back to the 1900s, or the 1850s. The only people in France that knew what an American was was our ambassador. And that's how it was in every country. It was an esteemed position. If you could be a United States ambassador and they would send you all over the world and you would represent the government and people would look at you and they simply say, oh, that's how Americans live. That's how Americans look. That's how Americans talk. That's how Americans eat. And you'll say, that's not fair. That's not true. But that's what an ambassador is. And God says, by my grace, my plan is, you're my ambassadors. You go out. People are going to find out about me because of you. They're going to know about my, my love for them. They're going to know how I forgive people. They're going to know how I, and you fill in the blank. Say, oh, Rick, this, <laughs> that's what, this is God's grace. That we have privilege, position, power, authority. God says, I'm giving that to you. Paul is not saying to Timothy, learn about leadership and ministry. He's saying, grow strong in your understanding of God. That's so important. And how gracious God is because it's going to change everything. It's going to change your priorities. It's going to change how you live. It's going to change how you eat. It's going to change how you dress. It changes everything. Our strength is not dependent on church membership. Or in how much we know about the Bible. Or how long we've been in ministry. Because sometimes we like to applaud ourselves. The strength we need to finish strong. That Timothy needs to finish strong. Which we're going to see Paul finishing strong. 
comes from a clear understanding of who God is and his grace, which is made only possible because of Jesus Christ. Our strength is given to us by God's grace and is available through the finished work of Jesus. I think I've said it 942 times right now. The message was life-changing, and it was life-changing for Paul. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? He had everything going for him. At about 30 years old is when he met Jesus. Everything changed. And he had in his soul, I cannot keep quiet about it. I now have a purpose. I now can go boldly into God's presence. I now can talk to him at any time. I now am not, well, dependent on circumstances for joy or happiness. I can't believe it. Do you believe God did that all because Jesus died on the cross for me? I I don't understand this. Now, the truth is, so many of us get bored with that message. So many of us hear that message. Okay, well, yeah, I'm saved, all right. Really? Step two, though, and that was important. Pastor Tim, Ethy, Please understand this gospel message. How powerful. Be strong in this understanding. Make sure it just permeates everywhere. But step two, pass this message on. Pass the baton of the gospel on. He basically says, you have heard me speak and teach about God's message of grace. For 15 years, you've seen it all over. You've heard it personally in the midst of so many reliable witnesses. So pass it on. Or in some of your Bibles, it might say, commit to teaching these truths by God's strength to other trustworthy people who will pass them on to others. First of all, Timothy, commit to teaching the gospel. Commit is an intentional act. And in this situation, it's in the middle voice in Greek, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to most of you. But what it is saying is, it's not being done just by yourself. This is a you and God proposition together. The message that I've shared with you, Timothy, that you heard me share with countless people... That message changes life. That message changes families. That message changes our world. That message is proven and tested and worthy of our focus. So be committed. Be intentional to teach the gospel. This is actually a harder word to translate. That's why so many of your versions look just a little bit different. But what Paul is literally saying is this. I want you to commit to teaching. That's your part. Your part is to teach the gospel. Have you noticed that very little in life happens without intentionality? 
I want to lose 15 pounds. Do you? All right, let's talk about it. Let's go out and eat and talk about it. Let's go get a Sunday and talk about it. Let's get, go get a shamrock shake. Do you know shamrock shakes cost $4.19 now? I'm taking my grandson out for, Gramps, can we go for a shamrock shake? Sure, I did not know I had to go to the bank. You know? I didn't get a shamrock shake. I still need to lose 15. All I'm saying is this. Sometimes we need an alarm clock to get up at a certain time, right? That's all. Or a gentle reminder. Others need a helicopter mom to get anything done. But think about it. What Paul is saying is be proactive. Set up reminders. This is really important. If you're not intentional about telling the gospel, I bet you're not going to do it. I bet you're not. Secondly, Paul says this. Hand the baton off to trustworthy people. People who will receive it and people who will pass it on. Now, this is a basic understanding of any relay race. Any relay race, all right? You need to have trustworthy people. You need to have a person when you hand the baton off that they grab it. If you're running a race and number two in line who's going to receive the baton doesn't want the baton. The race is done. Standing there, folding their arms. What are you doing? Here's the baton. No, I'm done. What do you mean you're done? This will affect all of us. We're in the world champion. No, I'm not going to receive it. Well, you not only need people to receive it, but then they have to be running the race in order to pass the baton to the next person in order to complete the race. You say, Rick, this is stupid. Yes, it is very stupid. But you get the idea. Sometimes you can't choose who to share the message with. Like if you're a parent, <laughs> can you imagine you have this ornery 11-year-old? I, I know it's not the case in any of our lives. Ornery, <laughs> ornery 11-year-old. By the way, you can't turn that person in for a new model. So you live with that person. You encourage that person. Hopefully they respond to God's grace and, and so on and so forth. That's not what I'm talking about here. But most of the time you can choose. And what Paul is saying is don't waste your time in passing the gospel off to unreliable people. It's not that you don't want to share the good news. It's not that you hope everyone doesn't respond to God's amazing offer of grace. But what you have to do is think about who you're going to train and encourage to keep running the race. He is not saying don't spend time with unreliable people. 
But Paul is saying that when you're picking leaders, when you're making disciples, when you're choosing a team, when you're passing on the truth, make sure that the people are reliable, proven, and tested. For me, when I work with others, when I disciple someone, when I want to encourage them, when I want to share the gospel, the lifestyle, changing truth and meet with them consistently and intentionally. I try to choose fat people. Again, we're talking a lot about food here. I'm sorry. But fat is an acronym. And it just, for me, is just so simple. It's faithful, available, and teachable. You know, back when I was in high school and back in college, and I had this acronym I worked with different people at different times. But you know, that has changed over these years. Faithful to me, again, is faithful to the Lord. They know the Lord. They know the message. They understand the message. And they are committed to our Savior. Available. Oh, that's really hard. I cannot tell you over the years how many guys that I have asked, would you go out and have a cup of coffee with me? It's not that they don't even drink coffee. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Rick. Hmm. And I'm even just asking for initial time. That's it. That's all. I'm not even mad. But I know this is that relationships start there. And as you meet with one another, and as you understand each other, and as you share with one another where you're growing and where you need prayer and what is going on in your life, all of a sudden there's this discipleship growing. I think finding someone available today is really, really hard. I do. But it's people who will make training and preparing a priority. It's something that's intentional. Sometimes it's really early in the morning. Sometimes it's really late at night. Whenever it is, it's important. And then lastly, I actually think teachable is changing over these years too. It used to be that whether it even be a pastor or a youth leader or a Sunday school teacher, there were some honor to that title or position. You know, it's not so much anymore and, and probably for good reason. But what I do know is this, no matter who you are, Most of the people in our generation have a tough time submitting to authority. I don't know if you've noticed that. One of the parents' privileges is to help your kids submit to authority. It really is. But what I have noticed is that oftentimes we have a license not to submit to authority, instruction, or correction. 
It doesn't mean everyone you work with or everyone I work with or that I'm always doing the right thing either. It doesn't mean that. But what I know is this, is that what Paul is talking about here as far as reliable, proven, and tested people is, Timothy, there's going to be a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of needs. There's going to be a lot of scenarios. You only have 24 hours in a day. What I want to encourage you to do is make sure you make fat people a priority. Those that love the Lord with all of their heart. Those that are willing to sacrifice, to be available, to meet with you consistently. And Timothy makes sure they're teachable. Oh, mostly from God's word. You can find out, hey, what's God been teaching you? How's God changing your thinking? It's some of the hardest things as I meet with different guys' groups. How is God changing your schedule? How are you loving your wife differently? How are you talking to your boss differently? How do you accept circumstances that are so unjust and unfair? I guess this, one of the most refreshing things we find in the life, in the writings of the Apostle Paul, is his constant emphasis on God's grace. And I want to be like that. I do. I want to be overwhelmed by God's grace. I want to keep pinching myself every morning, saying, do you believe this? God, why? I I don't deserve this. I'm so grateful that you died in my place. That you've given me life. You know, one of the readings that we're actually doing right now in some of our guys' groups is that we're, one of them is in that we're in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 20, you've got the verse up there on the screen. Paul is finishing his meeting with the Ephesian elders. He's never going to see these guys again. It was the group of guys that he was the tightest with. He spent the most time at the church at Ephesus. And at the very end, he knew he just was going to stop in. He was just going to encourage them again just for a little bit. And one of the lines that he uses in chapter 20, verse 24, and he says this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Paul just says, I I just want you to know what I've learned, elders is that my life, my priorities, the things that are important to me, that, that's not what's important. If only I may finish the race and the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. This is what I want to do, Paul says. And then he defines what the task is. Not plant more churches. It wasn't, and he he planted plenty, not even write more letters. He says, everywhere I go, I want to be able to testify to the gospel of God's grace. 
God loves you. God cares. God desires. God wants to walk with you. God wants to be your friend. The Almighty, our awesome God. It's interesting, again, that Paul is not saying be strong in leadership, be strong in prayer, be strong in church planning, be strong in student ministries, be strong in loving your wife, be strong in feeding the poor, in theology, in generosity. These are all good things. They are. But at the end of his life, this is not what he was talking about. Just so you know. He was talking about, make sure you understand the message of grace. It changes me. It changes everyone. Make sure that you consistently teach this message of grace every chance you get to every person you can. And make sure that you are working with people that are going to do this and keep passing it on. Can I just ask each one of you to bow your heads at this moment? We're going to pray and we're going to be finished. But before I do, and before we close our time with a song, I I want you to just be quiet. I want you to ask God some questions. Maybe it's the gospel grace that has become so familiar that you've forgotten about it. Maybe you understand it, but you haven't committed, or I I need to spend time with people. I need to share with them. I, I need to help them. Be disciples of Jesus so they can help others be disciples of Jesus. Let's just be quiet for a moment here before I pray. God, no one here doubts how amazing and wonderful the message of grace is. We were your enemies. And you loved us. We were drowning. And you saved us. God, thank you. But somehow... For fear, for busyness, we forget that we're your ambassadors. And we get to proclaim good news. Folks who are drowning and folks that are going to spend eternity without you. But God, it's not just even about that message. We want to stay true to that. We pray, dear God, that we would commit ourselves to remember who you are in your grace. 
and to encourage others to do the same. Thank you for your patience with us, God. But change us today. Change the way we respond. Change our calendars, God. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.